Hello! You're plugging in to the Evolution Sermon Podcast. We're so excited to share with you another awesome message from Pastor Charmaine. Have an awesome day. We'll see you at church. You know, I was listening to one of my favorite speakers, Father Richard Rohr, on podcast this week. And he was sharing that in his many years of experience in building Christian communities, most, he said, of the first 1,000 people that come to a community are usually takers. People who want to be loved, but don't want to love. Now, I have to say, right, in my shorter time and experience in leadership as compared to him, I actually think that he's right. You know, unconditional love in our church is a really beautiful thing, right? Grace from God is a beautiful thing, but none of us can kind of stay in that state forever. Out of our encounter of God's love, growth and change must happen in each of our lives. Growth that causes us to be generous with our love, to be generous with extending grace to others as well. So what I realized is becoming a giver in TiVo is a conscious switch that we each have to make. And staying a giver in this church is a conscious commitment we have to keep making as well. So I want to congratulate you guys, all the ministry training peeps, that you have made a conscious switch today. And I want to thank all of you guys, the whole team that serves faithfully with such an amazing heart that makes such a difference in TiVo. Amen? You know, it's really a motivation to keep giving the best to you. And I hope that we get to be in each other's lives for a very long time. Amen? So let's keep giving our best to each other and let's keep building this community and creating a better future. Amen? Okay, so my message today, are you ready? My message today is one God. And in case you weren't around the last time I spoke, it's a continuation of my previous message, Invisible God. Which if you haven't watched, you can find it on our TiVo YouTube channel. But warning label, it is slightly more dense. It is slightly more theological, is that alright? But it does have some really interesting ideas and history that's going to make you think deeper about your faith. But I promise you, today won't be as hard. Because what I want to do this gathering is to encourage all of us to be a part of community, to bring your heart and your gifts to this home, to bring yourself to this tribe of worship, to bring yourself to this temple of God that we're trying to build here in this place. So let's start with a quick recap because it's been a while, right? Since I shared the message, Invisible God. Okay, and, and, and we talked, we started this series with the, one of the most important passages in the Old Testament for Judaism. And it's called the Shema. I know it sounds very weird in Chinese, right? Okay, but Shema is the Hebrew word for, listen, actually maybe it's quite appropriate, Shema. <laughs> Right? It's the Hebrew word for listen, hear, pay attention. When a Jew speaks about the Shema, they are always referencing this verse in Deuteronomy 6 verse 4. It says here, here, that's the word Shema. O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. In Hebrew, the line is Shema Israel, Adonai Elohinu, Adonai Ikad. This verse is spoken every morning and every evening in their prayers because it is what is regarded as the supreme testimony, the summary 
of the Jewish faith. Now, the Shema captures three essential principles about Judaism. The first is, Israel worships an invisible God. Adonai Eloheinu means the Lord is our God. And if you've been keeping up with John Mark Comer, our book reading, you will know that the word Adonai is actually the spoken word replacement for the written word Yahweh. Because Yahweh is the name of an invisible God whose name is too holy for Jews to speak out loud. So they say Adonai. Now the second principle of Judaism, which is our focus for today, is Israel worships a God that is one. Everyone say it with me, one. Adonai Ikat. Now Ikat is a very interesting word because it means literally one. But more precisely, it means compound unity. A single entity, but made up of more than one part. And that is our subject for today, our God who is one. Our God who is a single entity, but made up of more than one part. And what does that mean then? For us, that we are made in the image of one God. What does it mean? What does one mean for how we do community with each other? Now, but of course, before we get into that, we should just reiterate the third principle. The third principle of Judaism is Shema. It is a call to God's people to listen, to hear, to pay attention. You see, Judaism... And by extension, Christianity is a listening faith. And not just a listening that results in nothing. No, we are asked to listen and to understand our God. To pay attention and internalize His ways with our hearts and our minds. We're supposed to be transformed by this interaction. So that we are moved towards action. You see, for Christians, Jesus is our Messiah, right? But by accepting Him into our hearts, we are now part of Jesus' messianic mission in this world. We're called to play our part in God's saving work through time and human history. So that is Deuteronomy 6.4. Listen to your God, O Israel and spiritual Israel. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Wow. You see, our faith is so much more rich when you know its history and its evolution. Sometimes our contemporary version of Christianity can be so simplistic and superficial. Now, before I get carried away, why is the idea that we serve one God such an important one to us? Well, because as Rabbi Suzanne Singer of the Reformed Jewish tradition will tell you, now she's an educator and activist, Okay, also an Emmy Award-winning television producer, she will tell you, if there is only one God, then we are all one as well. There's no person who is on the outside who is the other. You see, following God, who, the God who is one has implications in three ways. It has implications on our spirituality, on our ethics, and the way we do community 
in this life. You see, spirituality, I would define as our connection with God and our personal transformation through interaction. We are called to know God, to become one with His Spirit, His nature, His values. In other words, following Jesus means we must become more like Jesus. One with His heart and His mind. One with His way of being and living. Now, of course, there's so much to unpack about that idea, right? But here in TiVo, sometimes we just refer to it simply in passing as, are you a good human? Are you becoming more love and goodness and kindness and faithfulness and all those wonderful, beautiful words? So first, in our spirituality, we are called to be one with Jesus. Second, God's oneness has implications on how we do our ethics. What is ethics? In? It's basically how we treat one another in our relationships. You see, our first sphere, sphere of community is the people that are immediately around us. Our family, our friends, the person sitting next to you in this community. We are called to be one as a spiritual community. A compound unity. A gathering of people who are beautifully diverse, crazy and colorful and different in all our identities. You know, diverse in all our gifts and personalities and stories. And yet one because of our values. One because of our shared vision of a better world in Jesus which is the third implication of serving the one God. We are now subscribed to a larger worldview and vision of this universe. A world where God's shalom keeps expanding to embrace and include everyone and everything. Now, let me stress, not in an imperialistic way. You know, God hasn't asked Christians to conquer and colonize the world to force it to bow the knee to Jesus Christ. So if you're watching the news right now in the US, I'm not sure you should be following their example. No, the Jesus way is a revolution of love. It is the way we treat others should come out of understanding what's going on in another person's life. Jesus embraced everyone. The people that society excluded. The people that religion excluded by classifying them a sinner and unclean. You see, for Jesus, there was no other. There was no outsider. Everyone is deserving of love and respect and the opportunity to be accepted in community. Now, I should interject at this point to make sure you understand me fully. When I talk about othering, and people being pushed to the outside, I'm talking about the oppressed. I'm talking about the marginalized of society. I'm talking about the poor and those without power or privilege. I'm not talking about us embracing our own selfish, egocentric individuality. (laughs) That everyone being embraced means accepting bad behavior in this community or injustice in humanity at large, no. Listen, I've had my fair share of encounters with narcissistic, self-absorbed people who demand their way, 
who aren't interested in making a contribution but feel entitled to have a say. Entitled to hurt others because that's just the way I am. Yeah. Well then, just the way you are needs some transformation. <laughs> now listen, I love all of you here as you are. I love your diversity, your talent, your uniqueness, your story. I will walk with you through your brokenness and your struggles to change. But it doesn't mean I have to like it when you have an attitude problem. It doesn't mean I have to accept your unhealthy behavior or abuse. We embrace and expand as a community through our vision of inclusiveness, through our honoring of diversity amongst us, but we must become increasingly one with God and each other in our values, in our ethics, in our worldview. You see, for Jesus, love is our worldview. And along with that supreme quality of love is qualities such as goodness, kindness, self-control, faithfulness, honesty, justice. Love has to find its start on the inside of us, on the inside of you, on the inside of me. Love needs to find its start in this community. In the way we do spirituality, the way we do life and ministry together, only does it then have any real power to radiate outwards and infuse and transform this world. Yeah. I know you thought you were going to get a three-point message today. <laughs> but it's just one of those messages, right? Now, I will give you a couple of takeaways. And the first is, because our God is one, this means... The essence of our faith is communal. It is about connection and interconnection. Us, this community, this world, we are all one and supposed to become one in God. You know, one of the things this pandemic has done is that it has uncovered and aggravated our aloneness as human beings. I was listening to this and recently I found out that in light of workplaces opening up again, right? Anybody been stressed out by that? <laughs> A little bit? You know, Microsoft did an in internal review of the health of its employees and their ability to work together. And what's interesting about the internal review is that they found that as a result of the pandemic, people have become more siloed and more static. In other words, they've become rusty at interaction and getting along. They've become more segregated from each other because they've been in isolation, doing their own thing, hanging around and talking to the same kind and same small groups of people, watching the same TV shows and political views that support their own political views. Such that now they don't know how to innovate together. You see, once upon a time, right, two and a half years ago, you had to sit in a room to listen to one another's point of view. To focus on your common values and common objectives and integrate with one another to make something happen. I mean, that's how innovation happens, right? When people connect and they interconnect. Now, however, collaboration is a problem. People and our thinking have diverged and we've forgotten how to be a team. So Microsoft's conclusion, they said, this is going to be bad for progress. 
Actually, one of the most fascinating things they said was by being siloed, people were not, you know, their employees were not only going to become bad at innovation, it was causing their employees to also engage in redundant learning. In other words, their employees were absorbing information that would not contribute to shared progress. Hence, people and the community becomes static. Now, I'm sure we don't need Microsoft to tell us it's a problem, right? You can see in the world around us how we're becoming more polarized. We're all coming up with our own ideas and siding with our own narrow points of view. Then we proceed to mudslinging out online in the name of progress, except because we can't talk to each other, nothing progresses. You can see it at your workplace where people are resigning, misunderstanding each other more, getting along less. It becomes so much work to produce good work because everyone's not on the same page. You can see it even in our community. Oh, uncomfortable. Now, if you've been slogging away together in person with the leadership team in the past two and a half years, you know, spending time together, interacting, talking ideas, making thing happen, things happen, then right now you're going, what are you talking about? I feel so connected to this community. I feel so connected to the spirit and vision. I know exactly what's going on and where we're headed. But if you've been in isolation, not present for whatever reason, sometimes really for reasonable and good reasons, right? Reasonable and good reasons. But if you haven't been present physically or emotionally, you're going to feel right now like it's harder to catch up on what's happening. Even if you show up for a major meeting. Some of you may even feel distant and disconnected from the values and vision you used to be passionate about. It's going to take a while for you to come back to regular CG meetings, regular worship, regular service on ministry, regular connection. For you to find your passion for God again. For you to revive the nice person I know you actually are. (laughs) You see, human beings, we are not designed for isolation. We grow and progress, whether it's your spirituality, whether it's how you treat another human being, whether it's the ideas and vision that you innovate only when there is community when there is connection and interconnection. We, we always, always, all through human history, regress when we are disconnected and tribal. When we start becoming silos of self-protection, interested only in ourselves and our own little group's perception of things. You see, case in point, you know, our youth team is at this moment feeling very one with each other. Oh, right, because they've been coming together to pray. Because they've been coming together to talk about how they can reach out to their friends. Because they just had a camp together and they made tie-dye caps together. Because they've been playing violent games together. Because many of them are on ops and worship team together being creative. and helping to build the worship atmosphere here together. So their excitement is palpable. They are like Energizer Bunny batteries, right? They keep recharging one another. 
The ideas and innovation coming out of them is focused, it's productive, it's so, so creative. I mean, look at the worship today. Right? What is it coming from? Connection and interconnection. You see, it causes a group, both the individual and as a team, to progress. So let me tell you, all those of you who are going to be leaders at work, bosses and managers at work, you can't just lead a team by getting to them to tick off a checklist or meet a deadline. Your job is not just to administrate. Your job is to motivate, is to bring people together, to help them to connect. You see... It's not just because the youth are young and idealistic. It's not just because they have time to be idealistic. You know, or energy to serve. Every group that's in our community that is connected, that team right now is progressing. That team is not static. You see, and the thing is, oneness is supposed to be baked into the way we do our faith. The way we do community here at the evolution. God is one. You know, even amongst himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he is one. So we are supposed to come together as one. But here's the second takeaway, all right? It's not just enough to come together as one superficially going through the motions. The key is your participation. You see, one of the fascinating things about our faith is how we have defined and described the house of God throughout history. It has changed and it has evolved. You know, the early Israel of the Old Testament put its emphasis on the physical place of worship. First, it was a tabernacle. Then it was Solomon's temple. And now listen, during that whole period of their history where the house of God was attached to a space, it is very clear in our Bible that God's intention was always the same. He wanted to interact with humanity. He wanted to be with us human beings. He wanted us to participate in a conversation. To participate in expressing what, what God's kingdom could one day be like in the world. But humans, being humans, we got stuck obsessing over the unimportant. The things we could see. Rituals, rules. And after a while, Israel began to forget the invisible reason behind those rituals and rules, which was to remember God and to remember people. Israel started to forget God and forget people. Israel started to live away from God. They stopped seeing God and so they stopped seeing each other. And the Bible tells us inequality and injustice began to take over their community. So what did God allow to happen? God allowed the Babylonians to happen. When Israel was conquered by the Babylonians and went into exile, not only did they lose their land and their wealth and their power, they also lost their temple. And in those 70 years in captivity as POWs in Babylon, and some of them were also left behind with the ruins. 
They had to learn to build a different kind of house of God. A temple of community, of praying together, of studying the Torah, of acts of love and kindness and clinging to God and to each other in captivity. You see, all these expressions of new worship required their active participation. And what happened was a truer expression of their faith replaced the physical temple. The temple became the community. And the Jewish faith became and still is today about community. You see, why do you think of all the times Jesus was recorded to have gotten angry in the Bible, the worst instance was in the temple? So, from Babylonian, right? Babylon to Jesus, it's now 500 years later. Israel got to return to their land and they got to rebuild God's house. But again, with the physical building and the security of their institutions, many began to forget what truly matters. That rules cannot replace relationship. God's house is supposed to be about our spirituality, our ethics, our community. But Jesus walks into the temple, he looks around and he's so angry because he goes, you have turned God's house into a den of thieves. You have created rules to exploit, not to protect. You have created rules to, to, to increase your power and your authority, but not benefit the people. And Jesus also in the Bible, makes a striking prophecy right around this point, this incident. He says, this temple will be torn down, but in three days, I will rebuild it again. Now, obviously, he's not talking literally, right? Because to fast forward to today, 2,000 years later, the Jews have yet to rebuild the physical temple. Jesus was talking about his death and resurrection on the cross. That through this act, through this sacrifice of love, he was tearing it all down again and opening the way for us to return to God once more, to now by faith be transformed in a way that no human effort could accomplish so that we could be restored in our connection to God, so that we can be in community with God and each other and participate in rebuilding God's kingdom in the world. You see, the new temple in Christianity is you. It's us. You know, Paul said this when he was explaining what Jesus did. He said when Jesus gave his life to open the way to God, he made you the tabernacle. He made you the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are called to participate in this faith that is about community. I mean, just think about it, right? What is a church? It's a gathering of God's people. What did Jesus command us to do whenever we meet together? Take communion. What is communion about? It's the symbol of Jesus' body and blood, yes, but it's also participation. We are now part of a shared body, a shared collective where Jesus is the head and all of us are an important and necessary part of God's community. Our faith is not designed for aloneness. A Christian cannot be a Christian without other Christians. 
I mean, think about it, right? We can't even pray the very important Lord's Prayer without each other. I mean, how do you say, give us our daily bread alone? How do you say, forgive us as we forgive each other? How do we cry out to God and say, keep us from evil alone? For that matter, how do we even begin to get to know, to see, and to hear the invisible God if we don't learn how to be together in community? Because it's Jesus who taught us, right? He said, again, I assure you that if two agree on earth about anything you ask, then my Father who is in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with them. God arrives when we're together, when we gather. God moves when we agree. I dare say when we're getting along. When we're flowing in unison with the same values, when we're seeking God together and working in different ways to contribute. Right? The teachings of the Talmud say this, which Jesus knew and used to expand on this idea. The Talmud says, when two sit together and the words of the Torah pass between them, the divine presence rests between them. When three eat at one table and speak the words of the Torah there, it's as though they have eaten from the table of God. Whenever ten are gathered for prayer, there the Shekinah, meaning the glorious presence, rests. You see, throughout the Old Testament, God's presence manifested whenever a covenant was made. In the New Testament... On Pentecost, God showed up when God's people came together in one heart and one mind to seek Him. Now, of course, God speaks to us when we're in solitude with Him. Wonderful and amazing things. But there is also something powerful and indescribable about His presence when it comes in a sincere, worshipful, ethical, united community. In the early church, supernatural things started to happen. Places where they were praying together literally shook with God's presence. Such powerful meetings would be followed by signs and wonders. New people giving their hearts to God and being transformed. You see, some of us here need to remember that it was a powerful prayer meeting or altar call in community that transformed something in you. Where God spoke to you to be more courageous. Where God encouraged you and gave you a dream. Got you through major exams. Healed you through major heartbreaks and disappointments. Made you a better human being. A better son, daughter, child, friend, teammate, leader. You need to remember the occasions where God spoke to you and your friends similar things. And overlapping visions where God showed both you, the group, how your identity and design and calling was going to come together to make something great. You see, we're great when we're genuinely, deeply, honestly connected in relationship with God and each other. We suck without Jesus and each other. There's a term for this, a word in Judaism called Rashbam, 
which refers to how God is manifest whenever a covenant is made. But the idea of covenant is very specific for Judaism and for our faith. It's not just, oh, you and I are friends, acquaintances, we hang out, we like each other, you my squad. No. Covenant is about being committed to standing in mutuality with each other. Mutuality meaning love and respect. You know, it asks of us, covenant, to be people who stand by our promises and commitments to one another and by our pursuit of peace. So it's not, oh, this is a cool church. This place is getting my needs met. This place has messages that will tell me how to get ahead in life. No, God manifests himself when we are in mutuality when we are keeping covenant with one another, when we are pursuing peace with one another and peace together in this world. That means to ever be able to truly see the invisible God, know Him and meet with Him, our love and our vision for our lives must extend beyond self and beyond silo. You must extend yourself to the person next to you. Why do you take a look at that right now? (laughs) You must extend yourself to the friend in your CG who needs support and prayer. To your teammate in ministry in how you show up for them and look out for them. To the way you respect and honor the people around you, your family, your colleagues, your classmates. To even further cultivating a love and concern about equity and justice in this world. So, let me move out of the realm of theology and into the realm of present space. Is that all right? To our community here in TiVo. So here's the thing. I always say this, right? When I come up to challenge people to serve and challenge people to commit, I'm not asking for more time and more energy. Not really, not exactly. Because we all come from different situations, we are in different phases of life, we're going through different things, correct? Amen? So, you don't necessarily have to start doing something big. You don't have to do big things all the time. You just have to start with where you are right now. Where you are in your heart at this moment, Sincerely asking God, change me. Where you are in this moment right now, in your attitudes and your mindsets, asking God to teach and to guide and to renew your mind. Where you are at in your current relationships and different relationships are different things, but telling yourself, I'm going to just try to keep doing a little better. And where there's an opportunity to participate, participate. Because that's when we are in God and God is in us. You see, in TiVo, you need to understand our community is communal because our faith in our one God is communal. So this is not a place you can come to to be comfortable. This is not a space for convenience. It's a house of worship. 
is a community of ethics where connection and interconnection is of utmost importance. And guess what? Your participation affects how we experience God as a group. God is more manifest when we are all worshipping Him genuinely, honestly, enthusiastically together. God transforms us more. There's a momentum, there's a force when we sincerely pray together, when we discuss God's ways and we work together for His good. So I want to say when you come to TiVo, you know what? Don't move only because someone moves you. Don't move because ministry training tells you so. Because it's not going to last. Move with us because like us, you love Jesus and want to follow Him. Move with us not because there's some imagined rule of submission and obedience. Move as one with us because you believe in our values. You believe in our vision. Move as one with us because you believe in the power of agreement and you are hungry to see and experience God in our midst. See, Acts 4.32 says, The community of believers was one in heart and mind. None of them would say, This is mine, about any of their possessions, but held everything in common. And so the apostles continued to bear powerful witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and an abundance of grace was at work among them all. You see, something begins to happen when people are one. When we let go of selfishness and we make our lives about community. When we can easily relinquish our hold on what belongs to me, to us, our possessions, our gifts, our abilities, my time, my resources. Because when there's oneness, when there's generosity, it demonstrates God's nature. It draws God to us. He shows up and His abundant grace comes on everyone. So I don't know which version of faith you have heard about. Maybe it was all about a personal Jesus, an individual quiet religion. I don't know which version of faith yours has become. Maybe it's become all self-help and praying for a privileged life. That's kindergarten Christianity. Real Christianity is not done alone. Real Christianity is not about what benefits me alone, bless my life, my job, my money, my silo family. Real Christianity is impossible without community. It's impossible without giving something of ourselves away. Because God is in community. If our lives don't expand beyond ourself, if our lives don't have a concern for the person that's next to us, if our lives aren't concerned for the peace of the world, then you got to ask yourself, are we actually living a true version of faith? Because Deuteronomy 6.4 says, Pay attention, Tivo. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. So I thought we could do something a little different today. Is that all right? We're going to celebrate communion together. Uh, but not with the usual little plastic cups and wafers. I want to do it a bit more similar to how we used to do it two and a half years ago. But with a twist, okay? So today we're going to participate. Say to your friend next to you, we're going to participate. Alright, um, so let me do this, is that okay?
So 1 Corinthians 11:23 it says, I received a tradition from the Lord, which I also handed to you. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same thing with the cup, saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Every time you drink this, do this to remember me. So let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the gift of community. We thank you that it is in our unity that you, the invisible God, are made visible. Help us to be more and more like you so that we are increasingly one with each other. So that just by being in this community in Tivo, we will make a difference in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. And Church Experience team, you can serve the people. Let's stand to our feet. And today, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. But with all our heart and with all our soul. Is that alright? Matthew 6, 9, it says there, Together, Our Father who is in heaven, Uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom, So that your will is done on earth as it's done in heaven. Give us the bread that we need for today. Forgive us for the ways we have wronged you, just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. And don't lead us into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. 